Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Patriots Leftovers. Alex Barth with Evan Lazar doing, as we do every week, 24 hours after the Patriots game, giving you our leftover thoughts, everything that's been rattling around in our minds uh, since the game. Evan, how's it going? It's going well. I think that this game gives us a lot to talk about, honestly. Certainly. Not necessarily all positive, but a lot to kind of chew on another game against a good enough team where we can kind of use a barometer. We're not playing the Miami Dolphins here right. this week. You know, have a real team to break down. And I want to remind everybody that this edition of Patriots Leftovers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Visit their website and use the promo code of CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus. Evan, like you said, it's a good team. I, I want to stress that off the top. A lot of people today were talking about why the, why the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are not legit. They're not the best team the Patriots have played. They certainly have their weaknesses, but that's a good football team. What we can take from this game is certainly valid as we get into it. I want to use the same format we did actually after the loss to the Ravens. We're going to go compliment sandwich. We're going to start good, get into the criticism, and finish on the good. So, I mean, I, we want to start good. We want to start strong. We have to talk about that defense in the performance they turned in yesterday. They were, you know, you could argue a uh, 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 ish, iffy, iffy pass interference call and another weird sort of review away from pitching another shutout. Yeah, and I think the big thing defensively now, a big turning point in this game certainly was Lane Johnson going out with that concussion. The Eagles offensive line after that point with Hal Vitae at right tackle instead of Lane Johnson certainly didn't play the same way it did in the first quarter with Lane Johnson in there. But I would say even even when Lane Johnson, towards the end before Lane Johnson came out, it definitely yeah. changed the game, but they were starting to get pressure even as Lane Johnson was still yeah. in the game. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway, listen, I thought the secondary was going to do exactly what it did yesterday. I really thought that matchup favored the Patriots, and the Patriots are going to be able to mitigate that passing attack. The fact that the Patriots' defensive line was able to win the line of scrimmage against a really good offensive line and a really good scheme and coaching staff, I think that says volumes to what this group has kind of just done in a short period of time from the Baltimore game. Maybe even putting it, I don't know if we can go as far as saying the Baltimore game is going to end up being an anomaly for this group, but that was a really good Eagles offensive line. I mean, line it, it is they, right now. Right, that they kind of beat up on. They pressured Carson Wentz on 45, 46% of his dropbacks. They held him to under four yards per carry. Danny Shelton was all over the place in that game, just eating up blockers. He actually won the matchup against Brandon Brooks, who's one of the best offensive linemen in the entire NFL at right guard. got paid, what was it, last week? Yeah, $56 million guaranteed or something like that that he just got paid, and Danny Shelton won that matchup yesterday. The ability to get pressure on Wentz, they hit him 12 times. You know, that's not, there's no kind of, you don't just do that and fake it. You know what I mean? That That's legitimate. That's not, that's not something that happens as a fluke. Absolutely. Yeah. And so they were able to do that. They were able to control the line of scrimmage defensively and really win against a very good O-line. So I think that that's something that the Patriots can really hang their hat on in this game. The coverage was fantastic. I and mean, that's kind of where everything always starts with this defense is in the back end with Gilmore and Devin McCourty and all those guys. And the way that they cycled through so many different coverages on Zach Ertz, even though it didn't always work, he did almost have 100 yards in the game. But his kind of impact on the game was mitigated to the point where it was a lot of empty yards and points where, yeah, he caught some balls and he got, got made some plays, certainly, and Carson Wentz made some plays, but they didn't score, right? They didn't end up in points. So 
those things I think really stood out to me, the coverage on Ertz and the ability to put Brooks on him or Devin McCourty or Stephon Gilmore or double him or put a linebacker chipping him at the line of scrimmage and then have a guy behind him playing him in coverage. A lot of different types of coverages they threw at him. They were able to get to Wentz. That, that's exactly what you wanted out of this defense, and it really showed that this defensive line, I think, has at least flipped a switch or kind of moved past that Baltimore performance, I guess is a better way to say it. So after the, was it 15-play, 90-yard drive? Yeah. Whatever it was, that monster drive, the Eagles' touchdown drive, yeah. This is what the Patriots' defense did. Here's just the plays. I won't give you the yards. The, the, the most yardage is 27 here, but... Three plays, two plays, five, three, five, three, five, four. Yeah. The Eagles then went on that 11-play drive at the end where I think the Patriots kind of said, all right, we'll let you move down the field and, and kill the clock. We're not going to let you on the, in the end zone. Um, but you look at it after that 16-play 16 16 play 90-yard touchdown drive, the Patriots, with the exception of one at the end, allowed no drive longer than five plays. Yeah. And that was a defense that kept getting their back to the wall. They, they, they had no cushion to play with. They had to make stops every single time they were on the field. The Patriots never led this game by more than one score. So to come up and do that, you know, everybody wanted to say after Baltimore, it's an okay defense. They had their moment. That, that's not something an okay defense does. Yeah. That, that is an elite performance. Again, again, a good offense. Are the Eagles world beaters on offense? No, they have no wide receivers. And the running yeah. backs are okay at best. But you're going up against a good quarterback. And I think right now they're in the midst of playing arguably the three best offensive lines in the league. And the Ravens, the Eagles, and then the Cowboys next week. Yeah. So to put up that performance against that unit, even without the pass catchers, I'm impressed. Although I will say that they did get bailed out a couple times because Bart, uh, not Bart, Boston Scott is like really bad at football. He... <laughs> And like, normally I'm all in on a guy named Boston, and I'm like, all right, bring him to the Patriots. It'll be fun. That dude, two years in the league, that was his seventh career game. He had 17 career touches going into last night. That guy's not great. Like, yeah. What was he doing returning those punts deep? Like that, yeah. I get the very last one, which he let bounce, and he should have returned. But And we'll get into special teams at the end. Uh, but uh, honestly, one of my biggest takeaways from this game was that Boston Scott just sucks. Yeah, I, I'm normally not that guy to just call players out like that, but it was it was eye opening. Yeah, he actually, I think he averaged the most yards per carry out of any of the Eagles running backs. But I, obviously, I, those types of stats to me are always right. situational. You know, sometimes well, they couldn't run the ball. They they couldn't really run the ball. Uh, no, with, uh, with uh, Saunders. The, yeah, the Sanders. Yeah. It really just the fact that Danny Shelton and Lawrence Guy were who were really the big the big key guys in the middle especially in the interior of the of the line of scrimmage when the Eagles had the ball. The fact that those guys consistently won against Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks is really freaking impressive. Like, that's that's a really tough matchup to win consistently against two of maybe the best players in the league at their position. I think you can make the argument that Kelsey's the best center in the league and Brooks is the best guard in the league, and they won those matchups with Lawrence Guy and Danny Shelton, and that's huge for this defense. That really means everything for, in terms of turning things around with the run defense especially. And, and I would add to that, you know, a lot of people talked about this game being a redemption game for the Patriots defense, and the three guys who really played the, the I don't want to say the worst of Baltimore, but these three guys ultimately got pulled off the field after the first quarter were the two you mentioned, Shelton and, uh, and Guy, yeah. and Adam Butler. 
And yeah. you look at, like, I, I don't need to tell everybody you just did what, what Shelton and Guy did. And then Butler had what was arguably the game-saving pass break up there yeah. late in the fourth quarter yeah. when I, I think it was yeah. Aguilar got yeah. behind the defense. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the one that he deflected. He deflected a ball at the line of scrimmage, but you're talking about Yeah, that. yeah, but, but Aguilar, they showed it on the replay. Aguilar got behind the defense okay. on the crossing pattern. And if that yeah. ball gets through, Butler doesn't knock that down. I don't know that he's scoring, but he's taking that ball at least 15, 20 yards. Right. So, you know, Guy, Shelton, Butler, after the game they had against Baltimore, great to see those guys step up. Again, this yeah. is Patriots Leftovers brought to you by betonline.ag. Visit their website. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus. Evan, we do have to talk about the offense. Yeah. Not great. I know you guys after the game talked plenty about Brady being dejected. And a yeah. lot of people wanted to criticize Tom Brady today. A lot of them did. And he certainly didn't play great. But I think there's one narrative out there that I'm really not a fan of. And it's, oh, Brady's pissed that they cut Antonio Brown, that they traded Josh Gordon, uh, yeah, that, that no. couldn't take Gronk enough to come back. The issues offensively, like, guys were getting open last night. They were. Yeah. And Brady was finding them at times. But the offensive line just struggled so much. It's it's. Brady's been like this his entire career. If he gets knocked around early, the internal clock in his head, the the, the timing goes off, and he struggles, and he panics, and he, he gets a, a quick trigger. And that's what happened last night. Some of that's on Brady. He needs to not do that. But the offensive line let him get roughed up too much early in that game, and he got quick feet, and, and, and he got the quick trigger and all of that. So, you know, if you want to say they shouldn't have cut Antonio Brown, that's fine. But Antonio – are you putting Antonio Brown at left tackle then? Because right. that's – real issue is and I think it was compounded by play calling too and we can get into that but if you have to pinpoint the the issue for the Patriots offense last night I know there were multiple but if you have to pinpoint it right I'm putting it on the offensive line where are you putting it yeah I would I would probably start with I mean always starts with blocking up front right you know if you can block and you can protect Brady usually he's going to have a good game now yesterday when he was kept clean he did not have a good game which is very kind of against his usual but MO. I would I would say he wasn't even when he had a clean pocket. I don't think he felt he had a clean pocket. You yeah, could see I think that's him a big sort thing. of rushing everything. So PFF said that he only got pressured on thirty-three percent of his dropbacks, which is not bad. That's an average kind of run-of-the-mill day at the office for an NFL offensive line. It certainly felt like more than that. Though. It felt like more than that, and a lot of it came early. So a lot of it felt like right out of the gate he was getting under duress and he was right. getting thrown pressure at him. The biggest thing that you look at is that when you when you kind of start to assign blame to some of these pressures that are being allowed, unfortunately, it's happening. Marshall Newhouse is, is one of the culprits, and the other culprit is Ted Karras. So it's the two backups that really had kind but, of iffy games yesterday. And Ted but, Karras but, had a really tough matchup against Fletcher Cox, so right. I want to mention that off the top. That that's well, so, a really, so, really difficult matchup. I want to ask you about Newhouse, because as they went back and looked at it, and they talked about this a little on the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, Guy's been in the league for eight years, right? Yeah, Something like that. Everybody was throwing out the stat after the game that, oh, Aaron Rodgers went 15-1 and with Marshall right. Newhouse, even though apparently Marshall Newhouse doesn't age for that stat to yeah. actually matter. But the point being, he really struggled with the wide nine, the wide yeah. nine alignment of the Eagles' defensive line. And for a guy who's been in the league that long, he seems to not be able to block wide nine. I mean, there were points where he couldn't even get his hands on the defender. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is when you watch him play – 
is that he doesn't have the foot speed to or the explosiveness off the line to hit his landmark. So his feet are stalling out of his stance a lot of the time, and he's not getting any depth in his pass set. It's just making it really easy for the guy to just go right around the corner against him. Derek Barnett is a guy that's he's a speed rusher, right? He's coming off the right. edge on that wide nine, and he's going to go pin the ears back and come off the ball. And Marshall Newhouse is the type of guy that really just can't handle those types I think the biggest thing with Newhouse when you watch him play is that his feet are always really, really narrow, and he doesn't really have like an athletic kind of stance to him, and he doesn't have the lateral agility to go ahead and move side to side at a good enough rate to square up on guys and to maintain leverage. You know, as an offensive lineman, you always want to have inside-out leverage. You want to be the inside guy, right? You don't want to allow the guy to get around the corner on you. And if he can't right. get to that landmark, you know, you're talking to a lot of offensive linemen, guys like Trent Brown, for example, who's just a monster. He always said that with Tom Brady, the key for him always was to make the guy go through him to get to Brady because he knew Brady was going to set at the right depth. Right. So he knew where Brady was going to be in the pocket. So if you know where Brady's going to be in the pocket, the biggest thing that you need to do as an offensive lineman is just hit your landmarks and make sure that you're getting to the spot. So if you get beat, you're getting beat through your chest and you're getting bull rushed back into the guy or, or you're getting countered, but you're not necessarily just losing right off the bat at, with a speed rush or something around the corner. And Newhouse just can't get his feet there. He just can't get slide over in time to block those guys. Isaiah Wynn's going to be a huge help for him. I don't think that Brady's free of blame in this particular instance though because there was times especially early on in this game where I felt like he was missing guys he only ended up I only charted him with six Aaron throws which I think is going to sound low to a lot of people I don't think that the ball placement was necessarily the issue I think a bigger issue of it was when he was clean in the pocket he wasn't really seeing the field the way that we're normally see Brady kind of navigate and go through his progressions and see the open man and things like that the other thing is, is he actually held on to the ball for a pretty good amount of time by his standards. But the biggest thing was, is that he didn't want to push the ball down the field. And I don't know if that was the wind or the conditions or the pass rush or whatever the case may be. But when you have a guy like Nikhil Harry on the outside, I realize that he's first NFL career game. I get that. But in a game like that, where you're just clawing for every single yard, you got to throw one up to him. Right. Like you got to throw one deep and see right. if you can just jump over so, somebody and catch a pass. So hang on, because that, that goes to the other issue I had with the offense last night. And I want to talk about was the play calling. Yeah. And Josh McDaniels, he, he's I guess he, you could say he bailed himself out with that trick play. Yeah, it was I, that was the perfect time. Which just, I mean, that doesn't make sense. You know, you don't run it. One of the best runners. When they got Sony going on the outside off tackle, he was actually putting together some nice runs. But they couldn't run the ball up the middle. They seemed committed to that. And I'm sorry. I know it's a staple of their playbook. I I know it's it's bread and butter for them. But the backside screen, right, yeah. where Brady takes the snap, pump fakes to one side, turns and throws the other way, they, they're, they're predictable with that now. To the yeah. point where... On the third and 17, I forget if it was at the end of the second quarter or in the third quarter. I think it was in the third quarter. There's a third and 17. And they went to run that backside screen. And when he pumped fake to the front side to Edelman before he came back to go to the running back, there were no Eagles defenders on that side of the field. He could have thrown the ball to Edelman, and Edelman probably could have ran for the 17 yards for the first down. 
they're becoming so predictable and so reliant on that backside screen that the Eagles weren't even guarding the front side. And the only reason the backside screen works is because you have to fake teams out into thinking you're throwing the ball the first time before you pump. So, right. I, I mean, that, that was one thing. Again, the running up the middle I really didn't get. Not putting the ball really in the air down the field and just kind of keeping everything to screen passes. Maybe that was the wind. I don't know. But you looked at the matchups and the Eagles' strengths defensively against the runner in the middle of the field. And then their biggest weakness is the corners on the outside. So yeah. while you wouldn't throw the ball and try to get these one-on-one matches with the corners, and then when you have to run the ball, run away from Fletcher Cox, the Patriots almost did the exact opposite of that. They, they, when they ran the ball, they were going right up the middle of Fletcher Cox. And when they were throwing, they were throwing almost exclusively screen passes, which with the speed of the Eagles' defensive front, that's something they're built very well to defend. So I kept waiting and waiting and waiting and thinking, okay, they're setting it up for the play action. They're setting it up for a trick play or something. And they did ultimately run a trick play, but... They ran two trick plays. I just, the the, the first the one didn't one? work. They ran a double pass. Rex Burkhead passed it back to Tom Brady. Brady threw it deep to Dorsett. And oh, Ronald Darby right, 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 had right. really good coverage right. yeah. on the play. But, but still, I, the play calling last night seemed really counterintuitive to everything you would think it should have been going into that game. And they really never, again, outside that one drive, and I'll add this too, remember that one drive they scored on, they went tempo. They never went yeah. back. They, they never went back to that. They never went back to the no huddle. It was it worked so well against Baltimore. It worked last night. So to abandon that and then the play calling and all of that, I think really for Josh McDaniels, it was a rough night. I, I don't I, I don't see how the offensive game plan last night could have gotten much worse. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing with the screens is that Jim Schwartz is known for being a heavy blitzer. And when I think they were trying to catch them in some blitz situations where they got the screen, they got the running back leaked out. You get a six or seven man pressure. You get a zero. You get even just a, a standard blitz and you catch them in that type of situation. The screen passes can be effective. So I think that part of the game plan, especially on third down for running screens, is that Schwartz is a big third down blitz package guy. You know, he's going to bring some pressure. And I think that was kind of the idea with that. It obviously didn't work. The execution of it overall was really poor also. I think that's a big factor in it, too. There were a couple of them where they had some room. They had some room to maneuver. They might have been able to figure it out. But the timing of the whole thing was just really off. And I think the other thing about the play calling that with the no huddle, I do wonder how much of the cards they want to show with that. I think that they know that putting 11 personnel on the field, three wide receiver, one running back, one tight end, and going no huddle is going to be something that they can lean on maybe come the postseason. They did a lot against Baltimore, about 50% of their snaps. It was a little bit less yesterday, but that one drive obviously was the big one where they did it a ton. I wonder if they're saving some of the no huddle stuff for later on in the season when the games really matter. If you go the whole second half against Philadelphia with no huddle and you did it for half the game against Baltimore, that's a lot on tape for teams to start looking at that. So I I wonder how much they're saving. But I think the biggest thing is with them offensively, I I just want to remind people that last season after they lost to Pittsburgh, we were having a lot of the same conversations as we're having now about this team. That was a bad day for the offense. It was a bad day for Brady. And he looked old, quote unquote, by a lot of people's standards. And it was a similar kind of feel, I think. In Although they won this one and lost that one, it was a similar kind of feel. And I just think that there's enough time here and you're getting enough resources back with Nikhil Harry and Isaiah Wynn 
that hopefully they can find some sort of rhythm, identity, something that they can lean on in the next six games going into the playoffs. Don't, like, they can get better, right? Like, they they can improve from this point on. And I think that a lot of people like to judge them in the moment right now, like, this is the finished product. It's not the finished product. They've got a long way to go. I think that they can get a lot of help out of those guys, especially. And, listen, Nikhil Harry, Isaiah Wynn, Sony Michelle. Those are your three first round picks in the last couple of years, right? You got it. Those guys got to perform like first round picks. Those guys got to give them something. Brady's got to let them give them something by throwing the ball to Nikhil Harry. And the offense has to kind of work through its way through Nikhil Harry at times too, with Josh McDaniels and the play calling also wins got to stay on the field and they got to get Michelle going that that's where all their resources in the draft at least have gone over the last couple of years is to three offensive players in the first round. And those guys need to start playing like it. And if they can start playing like it down the stretch here and into the playoffs, then this offense is going to look a lot better. I'm not saying it's going to be the 07 Patriots and we're going to put up 35 points a game, but it's going to be a lot better than it is now. I think a lot of people are kind of writing this offense off for the rest of the year in week 11. It's too soon to do that. All right. We'll close on a good note. You know, we got to talk special teams. Yes. Um, before we we run out of time talking about Jake Bailey, because I know we will, real quick, uh, Nick yeah. Cole. Yeah, not money. necessarily difficult kicks, but three for three, hit the extra point. Uh, and, you know, he seems like a guy that, that doesn't, those were some, I don't want to say like super high leverage kicks, because obviously, you know, you're kicking him early in a regular season game, but he's on the road. It's a low scoring game, so you know these field goals are going to matter. And, uh, I, you know, moment didn't seem too big for him, which I kind of got that at times, I think, from Nugent, where yeah. he seemed to be overthinking. Um, and it also tells me they got the operation down between him, Bailey, and Cardona. They, they, they seem good. So good looks for the kicker, but we, we have to talk about Jake Bailey. It was also really windy out there and cold right. and just a bitter day. And the fact that he made all those kicks through the wind is, is you know, it's a good sign. Right. Not going to put him in the Hall he, of Fame. He didn't give yet. us any reason to worry. He didn't give us any reason to worry about the kicker, which may be the first week this year we can say that. Yeah, absolutely. But we have to talk about Jake Bailey. I I'm, will I will protest on the NFL offices if he does not win AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah. Eight punts, about 48 yards a kick. He was just a, t- a touch under 48. Six of the eight inside the 20. And yeah. perhaps the biggest one, especially with eight punts, that's a very large sample size. No touchbacks. No touchbacks. He never gave the Eagles unearned yards. He was absolutely outstanding today. I'm going to go back to it. I don't care if it pisses you off when I say this. It is true. Jake Bailey has a Ray Guy type effect on this Patriots team. He was as big of a defensive weapon yesterday. He was as big of a defense. What what was the first thing I texted you when that game ended? What was the first thing I texted? Ray Guy. Okay, but let, let's let's put the bigs on Ray Guy. He was as he's big not of a defensive weapon for the Patriots yesterday as anybody. He gifted the Eagles yeah. no field position. He gave the defenses long fields to work with. And, of course, you know, Slater, Bethel, uh, uh, and Cardona are, are in there, too, of course, for downing all the punts. But in the winds, in the wind, in the cold, he's going out there really every, like, seven or eight minutes of real time, which is a lot for a punter. And, yeah. and continuously, he was absolute nails yesterday oh, hey, yeah. if anybody anybody still doubted why they traded up for this kid you saw it yesterday he won them that game yesterday F- frame it however you want they won that game yesterday in part because of the punter 
We came for the Super Bowl 52 rematch. What we actually got was a replay of Super Bowl 53 with yeah. Jake Bailey playing the part of Ray Allen. R- Ryan Allen. You made him a basketball player. Ryan Allen. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I listen, the 55-yard punt that he had that just landed out of bounds perfectly at the five-yard line was a thing of beauty. He downed a couple more inside. I think he had five of five of his eight were down inside the 12 or, or something like that was the stat. And yeah. listen, what's great about it, too, is just that Slater and Bethel, when you watch these punts, those two guys are within three yards of the ball every single time the ball comes off the guy's foot. Like, it's unbelievable how good those guys are at covering them, too. So they have the best punt coverage unit in the league by a wide margin in DVOA standards, and that was before yesterday. So that number is only going to get even better. They have the best punt coverage unit in the entire NFL. That includes the effect of the punter, obviously, and the coverage guys. They got coverage guys up the wazoo. They have... Slater, they have Terrence Brooks, they have Bethel, obviously, they have Jonathan Jones, they have four or five guys that can cover punts better than a lot of teams have one guy that can cover punts, you know, like they all the kind of special teams guys that get elected to the Pro Bowl, how Matthew Slater's gone to so many of them, those could all be Patriots this year in the way that those guys are playing and covering kicks. It's, it's really fun to watch, like I know it's not Randy Moss catching 80-yard bombs from Tom Brady, fun to watch for some people. But it's really fun to watch for if you kind of appreciate what's going on there. And Bill Belichick certainly does, and uh, the team certainly does. And I think everybody's aware of the fact that that unit and that group contributed to that win maybe more than anybody else, certainly more than the offense did. You know, that that yeah. win was more about on, about the defense and about the special teams than it was about the offense. So that's the formula for the Patriots right now. Now, I think it could improve to the point where the offense starts scoring a little bit more. I have faith in Brady and McDaniels and Julian Edelman and Dante Skarnecchia and those guys that they're going to figure it out. Belichick, too. But right now, the formula of play awesome defense, play field position right? Get really good field position with your special teams and with your defense and have the offense just not lose you the football game, right? You're not necessarily going to win the game with your offense, but just don't lose the game. Manage the game well. Don't turn the ball over and don't screw up the field position battle. And you have a team that can really kind of win games 17 to 10 and win games like this and continue to pile up these wins to the point where, yeah, maybe they got to kind of get more out of their offense in the playoffs, but they're going to be 14 and two, 13 and three, something like that, because they can certainly win regular season games just like they did yesterday for the rest of the season. So I can't say enough about what those guys did and what Jake Bailey did. I mean, he's one of the best punters in the league already. And he's a rookie, you know, he, he's already that, that top all pro five, pick. top three punter. That all pro pick you made in the preseason is looking really good. Yeah. And, if he punts like this for the rest of the year, he might be. You just you just kind of hit on it there. I, th- I think the great teams have to learn how to win games ugly. And I'm not saying what the Patriots did yesterday is kind of the product you want every week, but they won the game ugly. And, yeah. and that's a good sign. And, yeah, I have them ready. The NFL, ESPN NFL playoff machine came out today, which is one of my favorite days of the year is when that goes live every season. I had Patriots at 14-2, and two, Ravens at 13-3. and three. So 14-2 yeah. and two might be what it takes, but I don't, I don't think it's out of the question. Real quick, uh, before we wrap it up, does Isaiah win play next week? Yeah, absolutely. I think Isaiah Wynn's playing. I think he's starting at left tackle, and I think he's playing every single snap. I, I don't think that there's any reason to hold him back as long as he's 100% healthy. He's gone through a couple of training camps. He's gone through some preseason games. He basically you know, did everything 
by the time they got to Tennessee, you know, he was a little bit limited in Detroit with those joint practices. But by the time they got to Tennessee, he did everything through the Pittsburgh game, right, until he got hurt yep. in Miami. So he's had a full ramp up. He understands the playbook. He understands what is asking of him. He understands the techniques. He doesn't need to, like, be taught anything anymore, like a Nikhil Harry, like a rookie would, right? He's not a rookie. So he can play right away, and he's even just on a fundamental athleticism, functional athleticism level, he's such an upgrade over Marshall Newhouse that even if he is a little bit rusty, it's not going to make a difference. All right, so we'll see. We will have another Leftovers next week, but of course a lot before that. We got you covered Wednesday through Friday, availability down at the stadium, and then we'll have the full crew. Uh, uh, first home game in almost a month. Yeah. Almost a month Feels exactly. Like it's between. It has the two road games, the buy-in between Patriots-Cowboys on Sunday. We'll have you covered for that. Again, this edition of Patriots Leftovers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Visit their website. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% welcome bonus. For everyone, I'm Alex Barth. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.